For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Technical hitches aside, welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy. I am Simon Clancy, joined as always by my good friends and your good friends, Alfredo Artiago, Chris Kaufman. The NFL season is almost upon us. We have two shows this week. In fact, we have two shows from now until hopefully... The Miami Dolphins appear in the Super Bowl. A lot to happen between now and then. But I need to let you know that this show is brought to you by our good friends at Price Picks. Use promo code 3YARDS. That's a new promo code. So it's 3YARDS, Y-A-R-D-S, to get a $100 match bonus on your $100 deposit. Alf, you've got more information. Yes. And if you're like me and you watch these Thursday night football games, although this one has a lot of juice, I think, uh, although no Travis Kelsey kind of, ruins it a little bit you want to see the defending champions at full strength although i know there's also no chris jones and he's thinking about sitting out half of a season and that's 10 million dollars in losses and fines which is a lot but if you do like i do during the season and there's these bad thursday night football games you want to play a little bit with those games okay and you want to get on prize picks well guess what this week you get a free square if dak prescott can throw for one yard Simon, do you think he could throw for one yard this, uh, um, I believe it was Sunday night against the Giants? I think he probably will. Okay, if he could throw for one yard, that's a free square for you. So they're giving you half of your bet for free. Take it. And, of course, our promo code is NEW. It's the number three yards. Also, Better Edge, our colleagues at Better Edge, go to betteredge.com forward slash five reasons to get $20 just for signing up. Degopuff.com, use promo code WELCOME. 1010 to get $10 off your first 10 orders. And if you're hungry, our friends at factormeals.com use the promo code three yards per carry 50. So the number three yards per carry and the numbers 50 to get 50% off your first order and breathe. So away we go. And I'm sure without Chris Jones and without Travis Kelsey, we are all here hoping for a Detroit Lions win because obviously. Uh, those interconference uh, defeats for AFC rivals certainly help us moving forwards uh, in terms of getting into the playoffs. Something that most um, most pundits don't believe we're going to do. I'm just looking at the CBS one, which believes we're going to finish last. And we will talk about uh, last in the AFC East, and we will talk about the AFC, a very stacked AFC with a number of great quarterbacks in um, before we finish up. But we need to kind of kick back in and just rewind a few days and just because we haven't really given you a perspective on the final roster the makeup of the final roster guys that made the practice squad obviously the news came through yesterday that Robbie Chosen has made the practice squad that feels so weird saying that out loud um Robbie Anderson's made the practice squad I'm sure he's not listening 
But um, but gents, how do you feel, Chris? First of all, how do you feel about the makeup of the roster? Are you happy? Disappointed? Any surprises? Any shocks? I did tell you that Robbie Chosen wasn't going to make the fifty-three, and I told you that from a way out. But um, what's your take on uh, on the final fifty-three that Greer and McDaniel settled on? Well, I think this is um, this is overall it's got to be the best roster that we've seen in a while uh, for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, when you're really when you're really just kind of stepping back and taking it in. Um, I think they did a good job with the practice squad using the uh, the, the slots that they have uh, for veteran players to kind of get a roster extension, I guess. Um, you can have up to six players on the practice squad with unlimited uh, NFL experience, and those guys can be brought up to games, you know, up to three times in a year. Um, each one of them up to three times in a year. So it's basically a roster extension, and I think that that's, um, that's something that people have to keep in mind when they see um, they see the final 53-man makeup. Um, the the final 53 was more about uh, protecting certain players, but you know that brings up the disappointment, and I'm sure Alf will uh, will will lament this even more. But um, they could not protect uh, Ryan Hayes, who they cut or who they waived, and uh, was instantly claimed off of waivers. Um, they could not protect elijah higgins who was instantly uh, claimed off of waivers i think he had two waiver claims on him actually he had five uh, actually. oh did he have five well yeah. um yeah he was a sixth round draft pick so uh and and he was a promising athlete so i think that that and i think what teams probably had to notice about him is he blocked better than you'd think a wide receiver convert would um but yeah, so otherwise, uh, good roster i i think uh you know when everybody gets healthy that'll be um that'll be a big boost Alf? Yeah, I think uh, this is going to be the last time I speak of Ryan Hayes, <laughs> okay? Unless he makes the Pro Bowl, you know, <laughs> a few years from now. And then I can say, oh, remember when we were talking about Ryan Hayes? Like, who knows? He might find his way back onto here, onto this roster eventually. But uh, in a year for, a year from now, you're going to want some cheap labor, be, labor behind our very expensive players like a Teron Armstead. And gone will be the 3 or $4 million backup tackle that you could just, you know, put in there as insurance and you're going to want some cheap labor like a Ryan Hayes who had a pretty clean preseason. Uh, you know, that one, I understand. Okay. Uh, you wanted to keep Keon Smith. You have a little bit more time invested in Keon Smith. Uh, you gambled, you lost. That's fine. What I don't, the only one that's really left me kind of confused, although the Ryan Hayes one is a little confusing is why does Tanner Connor have favored nation status over Elijah Higgins? Like, I just don't understand that the guy showed up two days before camp ended ran three routes <laughs> and he's on, he's on the practice squad and Elijah Higgins is out of here. Like that's the oh. only one that leaves me confused. I do like what they did with Rashard Lawrence, Chase Winovich. Those are nice little pickups. You never know if those guys are going to see some snaps this year and actually contribute. Uh, otherwise. Yeah. Uh, that's the only confusing one to me is why is Tanner Connor still here? And Elijah Higgins is not. Yeah. You could see Chase Winovich getting a few snaps actually. Couldn't you? Robbie Anderson. And you could see getting a few snaps. You obviously mentioned um, the defensive linemen as well. I think they're, you know, excellent, astute pickups um, from Greer and McDaniel. Uh, we shocked Chris that Mike White got the number two quarterback job. A little bit, a, a tiny bit surprised. I knew it was neck and neck. I mean, we all, we, I think we all kind of predicted it. I was probably, I, I think I was the only one, one among us that predicted Skylar Thompson actually to get number two. And I thought I, I took my cue from McDaniel, thinking that, um, you know, his. He kind of bailed Skyler out of one of those interceptions, uh, explicitly said it's not his fault at all. And I thought it was kind of his fault. I mean, at least partially so. Um, 
And, uh, and so I thought that this is his boy, but at the end of the day, uh, I think he went with a guy that he trusted to get the offense actually organized up to the snap, uh, you know, given, given how the season ended last year and what a hot button that became, you know, with the Buffalo game and, and not being able to get up to the line and, and, uh, the problems that happened that way. Um, I think it became such a hot button that he went with the guy that could, that he could trust to keep the offense organized. And uh, there were some some times, even in the preseason this year, even in the second year, that Skylar Thompson ran into that, uh, ran into some problems that way. So this is something that he's – I mean, that's that's the thing that's keeping him back in this offense, Skylar Thompson. So until then, until he gets a gets a, a hang of it, then uh, Mike White is our QB team. Alf, the Jonathan Trailer trade didn't have – Jonathan tra- – uh, try saying that at midnight. The Jonathan Taylor trade – didn't happen. No, Daniel seems extremely happy, despite evidence to the contrary of pretty much every running back in the NFL that they tried to that they tried to bring in. But obviously, yeah. seems kind of happy with with who they've got. Happy, disappointed. Do you think there's still meat on that bone? Where do you think we are? Well, I'm disappointed in one sense that Jeff Wilson has found every single injury that he could find uh, this preseason and. We I remember the two days in mid-August where they were saying, oh, he has a hand issue. He'll be back in practice in a day or two. Turns out he broke two fingers on that hand. Uh, I think fingers are important for a running back, <laughs> you know? And then he has an abdominal issue that's not, you know, disclosed. So they'll go into, into the, you know, SoFi Stadium to play the Chargers, missing a back, just like they did last year. Uh, last year, if you remember, Jeff Wilson was healthy. Raheem Mostert was not. Uh, this year will be the opposite, but Devon A-Chain looks like he's training on the play. Savon Ahmed looks it was not in the concussion protocol. They made sure to tell all of us to make sure you write that, you know, and make sure you, you get that loud and clear. He was not in the concussion protocol, so he had some type of neck issue. And then, mm-hmm. of course, everybody loves Chris Brooks. So they should have enough, but you could definitely see how they could take one injury and they're they're searching. So I don't think that Jonathan Taylor trade is dead, although considering what's out there as far as what Jim Mercy has said, uh, it might be. But uh, Chris Greer uh, essentially said no offer was made. If you trust and believe what he said, maybe they revisit it October 31st. But till Chris, then, they're thin, I would say. Yeah, although the the kid from BYU could just end up being the Elijah Mitchell of of this season in terms of what he, you know, you get him on the field and, you know, he gets downhill and starts picking up big yards. You almost can't keep him off the field if he gets a couple of carries. Chris, mm. we surprised at River Craycraft uh, making the team. You know, you, you speak to people, Alpha's in the building almost every day, you speak to people and there is no receiver in the Dolphins who seems to understand the offense, seems to understand every position. Tyreek talked about him understanding every position. Also said what a phenomenal, phenomenal blocker he is, what he brings to the table. Were you surprised that he made the team or were, did you think that that's just, he's one of McDaniel's guys, obviously he's one of his kind of lieutenants in in many respects, especially having lost Trent Sherfield. Your take on River Craycraft making the team? Uh, I think that if you were to ask me this uh, heading into, you know, OTAs, training camps and everything, I think, I'd have said, you know, hey, his his days are finally numbered. They're too loaded. Um, by the end, by the time we got there, no, not 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 really that surprised. Because uh, in addition to all the things that you're talking about, let let's give it to him. He did play well in the preseason. I mean, he he made some catches, made some plays, um, and he did a good job. So I think that at the end of the day, 
if you're looking for guys that can catch the ball and make plays and um, and run routes and get open, uh, he's actually he's not he's not just some guy at the bottom of the roster that you know everybody likes because he's teacher's pet and um, and blocks. You know, um, he's a little bit more than that, or he's showing more than that. So uh, and he did last year. He you know he, he made some critical plays last year. Uh, so I. You know, no, not not that surprised anymore. Plus, he's in addition to being a Mike McDaniel, you know, guy. I think that Wes Welker is just really has a, has taken a shine to him, and uh, and I noticed that Tyreek Hill, you know, really spoke very glowingly of him recently. Um, so I think no, not not that surprised. I guess more surprised um, that they did not find a um, a trade for Cedric Wilson. But they did the restructure on him, uh, converted some of his salary into uh, into incentives. Um, so they're get, they're catching a little bit of a break that way if he doesn't if, if he produces like last year. So um, so that that kind of was an elegant solution to to what was uh, a going problem uh, on the roster at wide receiver. Um, otherwise, you know, it's it's a good looking wide receiver cast, and uh, and I think that it looks even better uh, when you dive into the um into the actual the practice squad and you see that they they still have kept robbie chosen who i think could play a key role uh in hopefully this does not happen but in the event of injury um there's there are things that he can do that maybe some guys on the roster can't uh filling in for some of the big guys tyree kill and uh jalen waddle so the other guy there that we need to remember as well is Braylon sanders who obviously made the field quicker than eric Ezukama last year played against detroit had a couple of catches, or at least the, the, the first catch, which then he got hit and fumbled, but he had a catch later in the game. Rally Webb, the kid from the Citadel, is also on on, on the practice squad, another receiver. Alf, do you think... Yeah, that one I don't get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alf, do you think we are guilty in some respects of underestimating, you know, we are prisoners of the moment, especially in modern-day society with social media and those sorts of things. Do you think we are a little bit guilty of jumping the gun on Cedric Wilson, who clearly has a lot of talent? He's big, he's physical, He's got long arms. He can really run. He can do a number of things within this offense. And we go back to something that this time last year we were talking about him throwing the ball. And in college, you know, he had four or five touchdown passes in terms of, you know, trick plays, had the, the trick play on the return um, for the Cowboys. Obviously had the big return in the playoffs against Buffalo. He's a guy that can do a number of things, was injured last year with the ribs. Do you think that there's a bounce back expectation for Wilson? Absolutely. And I think he ha- he's going to have a real opportunity because you can see what they want to do with certain uh, 11 personnel sets. Like it's not only going to be Braxton Berrios for 40 snaps in 11 personnel. Like they want to mix and match a little bit. Uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill won't be on the field together the entire game. So some guys are going to get a chance to show what they can do in on the perimeter and in the slot. I think Cedric Wilson is a guy that needs a little bit more rhythm. Like you can tell, and I went back and I looked at his time in in Dallas, and some of the games where he was finding himself not playing too many snaps, he was essentially invisible. But his starts were good games, and whenever he played a large number of snaps, he was finding his way into the box score. So I think that this group is really, really deep. And let's not forget, Eric Ozukama was once again kind of the star of training camp for for this group, and. On Robbie, Robbie Chosen, I got to say this, for training camp, and I'm talking about just the 11-on-11s, the 7-on-7s, he had really good chemistry with Tuatongo Valoa, deep, intermediate, but it just never translated to these preseason games. He was actually bad in these preseason games. 
so I think that they even have depth there. They can they can reach into the into the practice squad to get a guy to play a few snaps in a game if need be. Uh, and as you said, Braylon Sanders has caught their eye, and this is year two of his development. So we shall see if he gets into a game this year. He doesn't do what he did against Buffalo, where he forgot how to run a route that was an easy touchdown. By the way, I don't know if you remember that play, Simon, but you know I hope that in year two he picks up a little bit more on you know on the reads that he's supposed to make, especially on on plays like that where you know he has to see that the safety's coming down and you you could just run right past that guy. Uh, but I love this group. It's a really really good group. Chris, I have a little quiz question for you, Campbell the uh, FCS football team. What is their nickname? Oh, man. Um, the Soups. Uh, the the Campbell. No, the Campbell. Soups, you idiot. <laughs> uh, the Campbell Rhinos. Oh, you're close. They're the Fighting Camels. Oh, the Fighting Camels. Camels they're... don't fight, though. Do they? Well, I mean, they <laughs> spit. Maybe the Camels so... you come across. Yeah. <laughs> they're perhaps their most famous current player is uh, a guy who made our roster as an undrafted free agent and that would be julian hill a hell of a job i mean i know we're not deep at tight end but nevertheless a hell of a job for an undrafted free agent tight end from a from an fcs school as small as campbell um who was a walk-on um at campbell was a basketball player um you know hell of a job by him to make the roster well are, are we just going to ignore that they're the campbell camels <laughs> I mean, they they're literally the, just the camels. They should be the soups. Come on. They should be the Andy Warhols. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be the logo on the helmet. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, exactly. The Campbell suit. But anyway, we digress. Julian Hill, gentlemen. I, I would sides. say uh, he was the second best tight end that I saw in a preseason. Um, I don't know about training camp. Didn't attend the practices like uh, – like Alfier, but um, but in the preseason, he was the second best tight end. Tyler Croft is a a, a good, an accomplished blocker, and he showed that uh, a lot of the time. But he also looked like he, I don't know what he can contribute in the passing game, frankly, um, if anything. And and so you know, I think that that's that's a concern there. Whereas Julian Hill looked like an all-arounder, a genuine all-arounder, and um, and that's uh, that's compelling because he runs he runs athletically. Um, I saw him running running routes and looking uh, looking pretty compelling. He can he can do some things that way, um, he, and and he he really had a physicality that came on, and he got better and better as this preseason went on through all three games uh, as a blocker. So I, I thought I thought he's I think he's tight end I think he's the second best tight end on the roster right now. Yeah. Um, and so that's good. The the best tight end in college football, uh, and probably almost certainly the winner of the the Mackey Award for the second year running, as long as he stays healthy, likely top ten pick next year is Georgia's Brock Bowers. Miami have signed a Nick Bowers uh, as a practice squad tight end kid from Penn State, uh, played alongside Mike Gesicki for a year. Um, Nick Bowers to be the hidden hero of the season. Hmm. We did talk about him, uh, although it's <laughs> not so. We we talked about him in, 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 when we did our draft shows, I, I, actually, and I don't remember too much of him, <laughs> which is, which is you know, I, I guess I got to read up on him a little bit. But back to Julian Hill a little bit. Uh, he's a guy who's actually the old cliche. He came on in camp and took over a, a spot because he was just better than everybody behind him. There were no politics, although Tanner Connor's still around. 
there were no politics as far as him earning that tight end two spot if he truly has earned it. And we are going to see him on the field against the Chargers. Uh, he deserves it, and I'm happy for him. He actually he looked good. You know, he looked better than Eric Saubert, who was the the alternative. So yeah. Eric Saubert finds his way onto IR, and Julian Hill finds his way onto the field, hopefully against the Chargers. Chris, Mike McDaniel in his press conference today refused to name a starter at left guard. The depth chart was released this afternoon after that, and it had Liam Eikenberg as the starter at left guard. Most people seem to think that Isaiah Wynn has won the job. What do you make of that left guard position? What uh, also do you make of Lester Cotton being the backup centre? And how do you see, we'll talk about Toronto Armstead in Thursday's show in terms of preview, but how do you see that line shaking up? Because you, you, for all of us, I think, had question marks about Butch Barry, but I think there's been some very positive answers in this preseason. Yeah, I think the, if you look at the young guys and, and how they've come on and how they've improved, um, including Austin Jackson, uh, believe it or not, um, yeah, it, it is a credit to Butch Berry. So positive signs there. Uh, I think that Isaiah Wynn, you would have thought a shoe in for that left guard job. Uh, Liam Eikenberg played a few a few snaps in the first preseason game, but then couldn't play, you know, much um, the rest of the time. Uh, and and so I think that that's um, that factored into or that 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 factors into our expectations. I guess I'll say. Uh, that's one of the reasons that I think that we're sitting here, you know, saying he's, you know, I can't believe he's still there on the depth chart, but um, you know, they, they obviously have a better perspective on that. Uh, Isaiah, when he started out strong in that first preseason game and then it got worse and that's not the direction you want to see him going. And I think that that's what opens the door for Liam a little bit. Lester Cotton as the backup center, that is of all the things on the offensive line. That's the one that, that baffles me the most. Um, is trading off Dan Feeney, the backup center, the guy who trained all, you know, through OTA's training camp to make the line calls in the case of uh, Connor Williams going down, you know, to snap the ball, um, be an experienced center. Uh, now we have Lester Cotton, who has not taken a single snap at center. He has not snapped the ball in a game. Um, I believe he said ever in his life, but I know for a fact he didn't. He never did it a single time in college or pro, uh, even in preseason. So uh, he clearly he's been working on it, and and they say that he's been working on it, you know, in practice and and privately. But um, that is that is a decision right there. Um, so I, but then again, you know, the way that Connor Williams, we were joking around about it earlier, but the way that Connor Williams kind of sprays the ball around back there, maybe they just, maybe, maybe it can't get much worse, you know? Um, so I, I, I hate to say that about a, a popular player, but, um, but those bad snaps are getting to be a real issue with Connor Williams. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I, the one guy that I'm, I'm really glad didn't make it is uh, Keon Smith because uh, a year ago I would have, I would have taken this guy out back and um and and you know and put him out of his misery um but uh th this year he is he is proving all the doubters myself included wrong uh he was far far and away better player uh at left tackle and looks like he could actually be something um and so uh so they're gonna keep him around and and they're gonna find out when they say by the way when they say that lester cotton was working on it in in practice snapping the ball I never saw him line up at center or snap a single ball all of training camp. Mm. Now, maybe in the install periods when they went inside and we couldn't see them, maybe he was snapping the ball then. 
but it was always the same three guys at center. You know, it's Connor Williams, it's a Luave, and then it was Feeney. And occasionally, Mike and Berg on the third team was snapping footballs, but Lester Connor was always playing left guard or right guard. And I never saw him out there at center. But I as far as Eichenberg will will be the guy that gets the call, I think I I can't see Cotton. I think I think if Armstead can't go, I can see a scenario where Isaiah Wynn is now the backup left tackle to Kendall Lamb, and they might have to press Liam Eichenberg to in into action at left guard. But I can't fathom how a guy can can go from first team and go steadily downward on the depth chart d- during practices, games, installs. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, week one, he's playing. So if Armstead doesn't play, I can see it happening. If Armstead is playing, I don't see how he, he gets on the field as a starter. I love yeah, I don't, I don't think Armstead's playing week one, but that's a conversation for Thursday night. Alf, we have seven defensive linemen in total, if we're classing Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, Van Ginkle, et cetera, et cetera, as outside linebackers, as they would be in this, in this defense. We have seven defensive linemen and only five of those on the active roster, Raekwon Davis, Emmanuel Ogba, Brandon Peely, Zach Sealer, and Christian Wilkins. And a reminder that Brandon Peely was an undrafted free agent. Um, that isn't a lot of players. Uh, and if one of those big guys, Davis or Sealer or Wilkins, goes down, there's you know there are some depth issues on the defensive line. It's not like we haven't talked about this on the podcast ad infinitum, but you know, it's they, a it's a concern. They seem to be happy with what they have, and I don't know, I don't know how. I think they're short. A body and the body that they're short is a guy that can actually play some snaps. Now maybe they're trusting Brandon Peely more than than I do and or we do. Austin Clark's you know is is a guy who's gone to bat for him and Austin Clark is extremely competent at his job. I do know that Deshaun Hand will be probably elevated for to the roster to play this week. So that's another guy that that's caught their eye and has earned snaps in the preseason and in practice. But I still think they're short, and they're short in interior linemen. And I don't know if they're going to get one. Maybe they are going to get one sometime this week, and we're just, you know, we're just, we just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I, I really don't think so. I think this is where the whole, um, the the whole practice squad rules uh, that are fairly new to the NFL. I think just the last two years, and and they're still modifying it every year. It, it seems this is where this is where it can kind of uh, give us you know confuse us a little bit because we're we're still stuck sometimes in the old school where we think of the 53 roster as the 53 roster and that's it um and in that in that regard you would say you know yeah they they have i'd go even further simon they have four mm-hmm. they have four defensive linemen they have christian wilkins raekwon davis zach sealer and brandon peely and that's it because yeah. jalen phillips and bradley chubb are outside linebackers in this uh system emmanuel ogba has been working and converting to outside linebacker in this system. Um, but I think that that's where you, it, it's sort of an illusion because go go look at the practice squad and see what they did there. Not only do they have Deshaun Hand back, who was who turned out, I mean, in the preseason games I watched him, he was he was a find. That was that was a good signing. Um, but then they added Chase Winovich and they added Rashard Lawrence. Uh, and that's in a di- these are these are NFL experienced guys, guys you throw in the games anytime you want to, and they can go up onto that defensive front and play ball. Um, and that's in addition to, you know, yeah, our outside linebackers are, like I said, Ogba and um, and Phillips and, and Chubb, but they're, what, what are they? They're all big bodies. All of them, all of them are very well built uh, individuals that are used to 
especially in a 4-3 setting and such, you know, reducing down to the inside and, and rushing from the inside on passing downs and such. So I think that really it's where they, where they might look thin because of the ability of Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, and Emmanuel Agba to reduce down and factor in that way. And then the practice squad guys, it's, it's just that, that nose tackle position. And well, there you have it. They went ahead and kept a second nose tackle and Brandon Peely. And now they have a third one on the practice squad and Richard Lawrence. Yeah. So, I suppose um, the issue with the guys on the practice squad is that hand obviously injured uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the time at Alabama and as a pro Richard Lawrence, obviously injured in high school was injured at LSU and then literally three years running fourth round pick. But in 2020, he went on IR with a calf injury in 2021. He went on IR with a calf injury 2022. He had a shoulder injury and went on IR, you know, so historically these are guys that, you know, you don't necessarily feel completely confident in, in terms of what they're going to bring to the table for, from week one through to week 17, should they be brought up. Um, Mm -hmm linebackers we kind of know what the situation is when you talked about it there in terms of the edge guys and uh, and certainly with the interior guys especially with a lot of the addition of long baker we know he can run duke ryan he's smart player we know he can run channing tindall obviously can run there's no real surprises there no real kind of issues there in terms of you know tindall kind of coming along slowly aj johnson is the guy they brought in late who made the who made the practice squad obviously he knows vic fangio well played college football at, at um at tennessee um and and cam good who we drafted who everybody seems to like and you know the kid from cal along with winovich um you know made the practice squad the secondary is an interesting one because obviously there are injuries there and you know we know about elijah camel being banged up we know about keon crossan being injured we know about nick needham being injured we know about Jalen ramsey being injured but you know that's you know that's a lot of guys already and you know, one guy that sort of stepped up towards the back end of the preseason and in those games was Parry Nickerson. We had Verone McKinney, who sort of mm-hmm. we weren't sure if he was going to make the roster even. And you know, we're talking about him as a starter. But then there is the addition of that kind of guy that we think could probably cross train a little bit of corner, cross train a little bit of safety, brought in with a trade from Dallas with Noah Igbenogane. And that's that's Kelvin Joseph, a guy I know that we all liked coming out of Kentucky and hasn't really kind of didn't really bed down perfectly. He's had a few off the field issues in Dallas, but you know, a change of scenery guys could could do Kelvin Joseph some good because there's some real talent there. Absolutely. And they're getting a little healthier because it seems like Brandon Jones uh, is likely to play on Sunday. So that's going to give him a little depth. Uh, it's going to give him four, four guys that they should be pretty comfortable with playing. And it, also we, they, they got a lot of luck in Elijah Campbell's injury, which when we saw it, and, you know, we already had, we you know, we were penciling in the season is lost for him. Turns out that's not the case. He's on the 53, and I guess we'll see him, see him sooner rather than later. So there's actually a group that was kind of thin and kind of filling up here toward toward game week. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with it, and I'm interested to see what they're going to do with Kelvin Joseph because uh, there's some mixed reviews as far as how good of a special teams player he is. Uh, some, some... Some of the beat were, were saying that he didn't grade out too well. I don't know who the hell is grading, by the way, uh, special teams <laughs> play on PFF. Like, please. Like, uh, that has to be faked, right? Like, they're faking that? Like, that they're just making up a number? Because there's they no hand, way. They, they, hand, a... they hand that one to chat GT, GPT. Yeah. It has to be, because I'm sorry. Yeah, look, I, I like to watch some special teams play. Like, I, I like to watch the, the first few days of camp to see who, who they want you know, to actually win some spots. And it was Bryce Thompson this year who they were playing in all the important special teams slots to see if he could actually be that guy. 
But Kevin Joseph's going to play a lot of special teams. Evidently, he graded whatever that means poorly. But I like to see him uh, on the field. His rookie year, he was not a bad football player for the Cowboys. Now he's gotten progressively worse. That reminds us of the guy that we traded out for him. But this is a good group. Uh, it's a good group, and I can't wait to see Cam Smith on the field too because he has that look. He has that that look of a guy that could be a long t- long term performer for us. So when everybody's back. You throw in Needham. You throw in Ramsey. You throw in Cross. Oh yeah, then you're you know. really comfortable. That's a great group. Well, Crossing's going to be out for the whole year, yeah, I think. Yes. Uh, they, they put him on IR uh, before the cuts, um, which means he's just out. And I guess he had some kind of freak injury. Yeah, um, and it was it was really, really odd because I saw him like kind of sprinting and and doing work. And I was like, oh, there he is. Keon Crossing is back. I, we I went into the, the press the... room and the coach comes out. Mike McDaniel comes out. And he says, I know he had a freak injury, you know, and yeah. He's I think it's year. a pinky, right? Like, is there? there there's kind of like rumors that he had like a, like a mangled, like a mangled finger uh, thing, where you know it almost brings to mind, you know, the in, infamous Ronnie Lott story, where you know that just clip the <laughs> just clip the tip of the finger off, and I'll <laughs> and I'll go. Yeah, um, I, I don't and, know. It's uh, I guess it's undisclosed exactly what it is, but yeah, it was like a freak injury uh, occurred. And it occurred from the moment that I walked off the field to I walked into the. So it happened within a 30 minute time period where, uh, hey, I'm back. I look great. Oh, I'm out for the year. So, yeah. you know, and Elijah Campbell was but, the exact opposite. Like he looked like, oh, my but, God, this guy's gone for the year. The next day I see him, he's on a bicycle. And I'm like, well, you know, really, really injured guys are not on bicycles. But I, but I got to know what you guys think here, because um, the way this is shaping up, uh, you know, Xavier Howard and Cater Coho, obvious starters uh, and reliable, uh, which is saying something for Cater coming in, in the second year being an undrafted free agent. But, um, you know, who's that third guy? Is it going to be is it going to be Cam Smith or Eli Apple or is it, they just going to, um, you know, obviously on the outside, we're not talking about somebody that's coming down into the slot when they go into nickel. But um you know who is going to be that third guy? Uh, it's that's that's still that still seems up in the air. I think if we believe installs. Being... If we believe installs, it's Eli Apple and with a sprinkle of Cam Smith and Dime. But we shall see. It's it's one of those where we're going to find out on Sunday. Yeah, I think it starts off being Apple and then transitions fairly quickly to being Smith. And once Smith can prove that he's not going to be a liability. And he kind of eradicates those kind of the ability to bite hard like he did against Jacksonville. And I think he'll be on the field fairly mm-hmm. quickly and and showing his skills. No shocks in the special teams. Jake Bailey obviously won the punter's job. Blake Ferguson returns. Jason Sanders returns. We will return in a second. We are going to uh, have a little break and we should come back and have a quick race through the AFC, the strength of the AFC. Um, have a look division by division and see who makes the playoffs. You are listening to three yards per carry. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 
Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. When an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. Their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. Or, do you prefer to shop from your home or office? Then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six. That's nine five four five seven nine zero three five six. Or visit the website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than eighty five star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. Welcome back to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm your host, Simon Clancy. The show is brought to you by Prize Picks, by Better Edge, by GoPuff.com, and by FactorMeals.com. And if you go back to the top of the show, you can hear all the promo codes, all the details, and exactly what you can get when you sign up. The season starts 48 hours pretty much from now. The Kansas City Chiefs hosting the upstart Detroit Lions, a lot of excitement in Motor City in terms of a, a Detroit team that could make the playoffs and could potentially even win that division. But let's flip from the NFC to the AFC and we'll finish with the East last. So let's go out West. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champions, potentially playing without Travis Kelsey, without Chris Jones in a tough division, the revitalized Denver Broncos potentially with a sort of a new and improved, hopefully the old Russell Wilson, if you're a Broncos fan, Sean Payton at the helm. Uh, the Chargers, uh, an awful lot to like about them, and they are. We will talk more about them in depth on Thursday night. Not really sure what's happening with the Raiders, and and that seems to the wheels slightly seem to be falling off a little bit in terms of. Don't know if you saw the Chandler Jones stuff today, but Chiefs gentlemen seem the team to beat potentially in the AFC, but certainly in in the AFC West. But you know the Chargers could come hard. Yeah, and uh, I'll say this: the the Raiders. If Tom Brady comes out of retirement, do you like them a little bit more? I just don't see that happening. I, d- I just think he, I just do not see him coming out of retirement. Well, he's the only, that's the only team that he could come out of retirement for. They got Garoppolo there. He's going to start the season there. Uh, their talent on offense is not hopeless. It's actually a pretty talented team on offense. They have some holes on defense. They're not a bad football team. But I think I'll tell you who is a bad football team. The Broncos, I don't think, did much to help themselves. I don't think adding just Sean Payton is enough. And then Sean Payton goes out and does the most ominous thing that a coach could ever do, which is talk bad about the previous team or the team he inherited, because it sounds like he's preparing the skids for a bad season. So he can say, look, you know, don't blame me. It was broken when I got here. Okay. So I think the Broncos finished last in this division. 
And it's the Chiefs division. Uh, they're not losing this thing until Patrick Mahomes retires, I don't think. And then it's a battle for second. And I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say that the Raiders are gonna be sneaky. They're gonna be just conservative enough behind that running game and their passing game with Garoppolo that it'll be close between the Raiders and Chargers for that last playoff spot. And I'll give it to the Raiders just to be contrarian. I think the Chargers, if they can avoid being the sort of Sisyphus of NFL franchises, and I, I think they're a good enough team across the board to challenge the the Chiefs. I think that you know that will be a hell of a test for the Dolphins on Sunday. Chris, how do you see the AFC West shaping up? Yeah, I think um, I think I've seen it much the same way you do, actually, because uh, I do see the Chargers. I, I, if you look at if you look up and them, look at them up and down, they're pretty talented, oh, really strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, and and that's taking aside, you know, the quarterback um, questions where we're always getting into these Justin Herbert arguments and stuff. Um, but you know, talented up and down that roster. Giving, in fact, you know, with with some of the early season troubles that you expect the Kansas City Chiefs to have, you know, Chris Jones possibly sitting out half the season. Now, now you got um, uh, the the tight end hurt. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Travis Kelsey, why did, why did I forget his name all of a sudden? Um, now you got uh, Travis Kelsey hurt. You could see them going through maybe a few, uh, a bit of trouble at the beginning of the season and the Chargers taking the lead in that division um, at the sort of the halfway mark uh, of the season. Uh, I think the Chiefs will end up pulling it out, uh, winning the division. Uh, and going far into the playoffs, but uh, but I do expect the Chargers to be quite well. I think both the Raiders and the Broncos are bottom feeders in that division. I think that um, I do not get good feelings whatsoever from the Raiders. I almost feel like you know this is this is deja vu all over again, uh, so to speak, uh, with with um, Josh McDaniels and, uh, and and the Raiders. And I think that they're they're going down the tubes fast. Um, and the Broncos, I just don't think. I don't. I don't think Sean Payton was trying to, you know, create any excuses for himself at all. Um, I think he just, you know, had a had a moment where he he didn't, you know, he did not, uh, um, you know, uh, edit himself. And um, but uh, it is it does speak to how much of, you know, the framework he really has to rip up of that team. Mm-hmm. Um, before they can start, you know, remaking themselves into something, uh, into something, and I think that that's, you know, they're going to be bottom dwellers in that division. I don't see either being a winning team, um, and uh, and you know they'll probably lose a whole double digit games. Yeah, we'll talk about the Chargers on Thursday, but four big either returns or additions for that team, and that would be J.C. Jackson, obviously returning back to full health at cornerback, the addition of Eric Kendricks at linebacker. Um, Rashawn Slater obviously coming back from the from mm-hmm. his season almost season ending injury last year, and then the addition of Quentin Johnson, the big receiver from TCU in the first round. They are you know that is a team that is loaded across across the board, and we shall talk more about them on Thursday. Let us skip across to the AFC South, a very interesting division here with the Titans, the Jaguars, the Colts, and the Texans. Feels to me like Texans and Colts, obviously bottom feeders it's a big campaign for for Doug Pedersen and the Jaguars, you know, some, some, you know, outside Super Bowl talk and definitely, you know, potential of, uh, of winning the division and you kind of the Titans kind of hanging around with a bit of talent, but you know, they seem to be on the downside of, you know, getting to a couple of NFC championship games or AFC championship game and, and a divisional round um, with Ryan at quarterback. So how do you see the AFC South shaping up uh, Alf? 
Yeah, I, I see it pretty much the way you see it. Although I do think that this will be the last hurrah for for the Titans before they go they undergo some some pretty big changes. Their their team is returning essentially the husk of the last team, which was the ones the number one seed, which was in t- 2021. Last year, if you remember what happened to the Tennessee Titans, they were an injured mess, including their star Derrick Henry. If they have health, and this is all this is contingent. Basically, every team is contingent on health. Even the Kansas City Chiefs, they can't lose Patrick Mahomes. They're not going to go anywhere with their backup quarterback. But if they're healthy, I could see them challenging the Jaguars all season, all season long. I, I was speaking to a couple of guys and, uh, at at camp, and they had covered the, the Jaguars-Dolphins game, and they were talking about what the beat in Jacksonville was saying, and they really b- do believe that they have one of the best offenses in all of the NFL. But they also believe that their defense is flawed and could be their Achilles heel. So yeah, I'm going to say it's a it's a it's it's a race, a real race to ten wins, with whoever doesn't get to ten wins being out at nine and eight. I'll go ahead and give it to the Jaguars. It's their time. They have the quarterback. They get yeah. to ten. Titans get to nine, and then start the rebuild. Chris, there's some, a couple of serious additions on that Jaguars offense. Tank Bigsby at running back to go along with Travis Etienne, but also Calvin Ridley, who's just been sensational in all summer long training camp, has been absolutely dominant. And you know, could you could well be looking at an NFL comeback player of the year in terms of you know what he brings to the table. He did not become a bad player overnight. That's a it's an interesting team the Jaguars have there. Yeah, you just nailed it with uh, Calvin Ridley. I think um, that's the guy. You know, that's 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 making that's making a big. Yeah, a team that already got to the playoffs and, you know, gets better. And I think that uh, Tank, Tank Bigsby, I'm not, you know, it's not that he's going to set anything on fire. I think Travis ATN is their guy. It's just that Tank Bigsby sort of rounds it off and makes you feel safer about the position. But, you know, even even go go back further and, and look at D. Johnson, Darrenis Johnson. You know, he's a solid NFL player uh, sitting in the backfield there. I think, you know, yes, the, the defense on the Jags um, is questionable, but it's a good thing that then they're in the AFC South then because they've got the Colts offense, they've got the Texans offense, and they've got the, the Titans offense, which Titans, I, I do believe they're in for another losing season. And um, and I think that, you know, they, the defense will play well uh, for the Titans, but the offense is what looks really shaky to me. I mean, if you think, if you think if you get comfortable with some of Miami's past offensive lines, then go go take a look at the Titans right now. Uh, what their depth chart is, you know, uh, is along the offensive line. I'm not sure that I would hang my hat on that. Um, but the thing that I think the Colts are going to be the bottom dwellers there. I think it almost like they're not even trying. Um, and the the team that might actually surprise and and fight to even a second place finish maybe in the division is the Houston Texans. I believe in D'Amico Ryans. I believe that um, he's a very serious, very serious coach. He's going to be putting out, putting together uh, a strong defensive showing. And, um, and, you know, obviously they're going to have some issues on offense, uh, but I think that they could put it, put together even a second place showing in that division. And, um, but it's, it's the Jaguars, it's the Jaguars and then the rest, but, you know, I would order it Texans, Titans and uh, Colts. Some good players on that Jacksonville defense. So when you look at followers of Hakatusi and Roy Robertson, Harris and Josh Allen and Devin Lloyd and Chad Moomer and Trayvon Walker and Ola Khan, obviously the tackle machine. And then the secondary, but, you've got but youth, and, I think. 
yeah, Rayshon Jenkins and, and Tyson Campbell, one of the more underrated players in the um in the league. Let's kick across to the AFC North. And you've got the Bengals. Obviously, we know about the Bengals, but a little bit of you know, up in the air in terms of Joe Burrow's early season status, the Ravens who've made some good additions, the Browns, can Deshaun Watson take another step back to his pre um pre-sex offender um talent level um with Houston. <laughs> and then you've got the um I mean I'm not wrong. Um and then you've got one of the more interesting teams, I think, in the AFC, which is which is the the Pittsburgh Steelers and the reloaded Pittsburgh Steelers team being led by one of the most impressive players, I think, across the board, certainly from talking to both national and local um, journalists who, who've either been to see the Steelers or followed the Steelers, and that would be Kenny Pickett um, and the kind of the the way that Pickett has grown that relationship, especially with with George Pickens. But um, you know, the additions of Darnell Washington on offense and the return of Najee Harris, Broderick Jones, obviously winning the left tackle job straight away, the the, the left tackle they drafted in the draft and then some additions on defense in terms of guys like Larry Ogunjobi and Joey Porter. They took at the top of the second round, Desmond King, the former all pro who came in the other day, uh, Alandon Roberts, who we know very well, Nick Herbig, who's had a very good off season, Alex Highsmith, who got paid Marcus Golden, who we know can get, get to the quarterback. This is interesting, Alf, isn't it? There's a, you know, there's, this is quite a tight battle. It's not just the Bengals and the Ravens running away with it necessarily. Yeah. This, this division is going to be an absolute bloodbath because I could see, you can make a serious case for any of these teams to win that division. I think the Ravens are probably the most talented across the board. The Bengals have the most stable situation, which which means they have the best quarterback. And they do have the best offense. And they might have the best offense in the entire AFC, for that matter. Uh, the Browns' roster from top to bottom is right there with the Ravens as far as talent. And I agree with you. If, you know, if you know, the formerly, you know, criminally inclined quarterback gets back to what he was in Houston, then I don't see how you keep the Browns out. So you're essentially just betting on is Deshaun Watson going to be the guy from last year, or is he going to be the old Deshaun Watson that was in Houston that had uh, essentially MVP numbers. I'm going to say that he's closer to that guy and the Browns. I love that offensive line. I think the Browns sneak away with this division, but this is there's not going to be a giant win total here. I could see everybody in this division to be within two games of each other and have the division not be decided on the final week of the season. I think 10 wins wins you the division, not because these are bad teams, but just because they're going to all beat up on each other. I'll go ahead and say the Browns win that division, but they could have two other teams from this division going to playoffs. Like, this is the competition. If you don't win the AFC East, here is your competition to get into the playoffs. It's all inside of this division. But I'll go ahead and give it to the Browns. Chris, who have you got in the AFC North? I, I, I think you can't go against the Bengals as long as they've got uh, Joe Burrow throwing a Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and uh, and with, you know, and, and look at the offensive line now with Orlando Brown and, and Jonah Williams, um, you know, I, I think that uh, it, it's hard. It is really hard to go against them um, as the leader of this division. Uh, I do agree that it is, a you know, shaping up to be a bloodbath in the division. And the Cleveland Browns are one of the more talented teams in the NFL, um, frankly. And uh, and so I think Top that they, bottom, they what's that? 
top to bottom, definitely. Yeah, just top to bottom. Like, like if you really look at it, and and this is one of those things. Like, uh, I don't know if you recall when I was when I was doing all that stuff. Jeremy Fowler was was coming up with uh, his lists of um, you know the top the top talents at each position and organizing uh, surveying a bunch of personnel executives and, and things like that. I mean, the Cleveland Browns, uh, I tallied it all, and I, I, I did a scoring system, and they were they're in the top five in terms of pure talent, top to bottom, um, in that roster. So I think that they're going to come in second to uh, to the Bengals. Um, I do see the the Ravens, you know, are always going to be tough, and they are talented, uh, and so are the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not as uh, certain, I guess, uh, about Kenny Pickett as some people. Um, on the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think that remains to be seen. I'd like to see it to believe it. Yep. Um, but uh, but the Baltimore Ravens uh, are going to be um, well. I, I wonder if there's going to be injury issues, uh, you know, on their on their roster. Um, so I think that that could push both them to the uh, to the bottom of the division. Um, but it's going to be tight. You know, the bottom of that division is not the same as the bottom of, uh, of a lot of other divisions. Yeah. So I would go Cincinnati, Cleveland, um, and then Pittsburgh, Baltimore. You mentioned Orlando Brown there. He ran a 585, 40-yard <laughs> combine, which Mike Mayock at the time described as historically bad. Um, I didn't know this, but his 40-yard time at the combine was exactly the same as his father's score. Uh, pro day score in terms of his 40 time his dad also ran a 585 um wow but he is a four-time pro bowler and uh, a super bowl champion so that four, that 585 didn't do him that much harm he's also protected uh lamar jackson uh patrick mahomes and now joe burrow in terms of that, his- by the way that 585 it reminds me of something i tore my mcl and i used to run like four seven four eight okay i tore my mcl and ran a five six with a torn NCL, but I remember that I remember that that combine showing from Orlando Brown, and we talked about it. And to Chris's credit, he said he can play football though. <laughs> yeah, I think the Ravens of the Ravens are really interesting. I mean, you know, say Flowers, he could look at a Rookie of the Year kind of guy. Obviously, they've added Odell. If they can keep Rashad Bateman happy, Devin Duvernay can play. Mark Andrews, you know, is a great player. They've got good tight ends there with Likely and and Kolar. They can run the ball. Obviously, we don't know about the health of J.K. Dobbins. Got to keep Lamar healthy up front. Obviously, Tyler Lindebaum and and uh, you know Ronnie Stanley and and Zeitler mm. and Falele mm. and Ben Cleveland and on defense. Obviously, Justin Madubrike is turning into a, a a star. And you know, at linebacker David Ajabo back healthy and Adafi Owe can get to the quarterback and Patrick Green can run and Roquan Smith was a great addition. And you know, once they get um. Once they get Marlon Humphrey back, you know, to add to Jalen Armour Davis and Carl Hamilton and and those guys in the secondary, Rocky Arsene, they obviously brought in Marcus Williams, they brought over from the Saints. So, you know, there's some talent there. But speaking of talent, let us finally get to the AFC East where our own Miami Dolphins end up. How do we see that? I mean, look, you know, Buffalo are the are the current kings and for, for good reason. They're an excellent team. There's some, you know, there have been some issues, Stefan Diggs and and those sorts of things. The Jets are the, you know, the darlings of the league because obviously because of Aaron Rodgers and, you know, we see what's happened with hard knocks and, you know, there is clearly some legitimate high-level talent across the board now on that team. And, you know, you bring in arguably the greatest pure thrower of the ball since Dan Marino and probably one of two of the, the best pure throwers of the ball maybe in the history of the NFL. 
you know, who can still play at a high level, that is going to, you know, you mix that in with Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall and and Garrett Garrett Wilson and, you know, Lazard and the guys they've got on offense and the, the obviously already strong defense um, with Source and and those guys. Um, it's a t- This is a tough division. And, you know, I mean, I'm looking at CBS's rankings now. They've got the Patriots ahead of the Dolphins. That isn't happening, people. I can tell you that right now. Hmm. Although the Patriots team, I think, is probably a, a bit better, certainly on defense, than than people are going to expect. But, you know, there are question marks on offense, certainly receiver. Obviously, Matt Jones has got to bounce back after a really poor year last year. And how do we see this AFC East playing out? Uh, and we'll get to our Dolphins prediction in a minute. But how do you see the other three teams in the East, Alf? I think the Bills are, are probably still the class with the Dolphins challenging them. And I'll give you the bearish and the bullish case on, on the Jets. And I'll give you the bullish case first. Their defense is really, really good. And it is talented. It's talented across the board. And their offense was absolutely, abjectly awful last season. And they're adding Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's enough. That's enough right there to probably move your team from 7-10, and 10, which they were, to somewhere in that 9-10 win range. Now, the bearish case is that Aaron Rodgers did not have a good season last year. And I saw the stat today. He threw 40 passes past 30 yards. He completed six of them. That was the lowest number of any quarterback in the NFL. Uh, You know who also completed six? Zach Wilson, uh, his backup. I could see the case where he essentially just moved the Green Bay Packers over on offense to the New York Jets because I think the Packers' offensive line is still much better than the Jets' offensive line. But the Jets have... One advantage, which is they have Garrett Wilson, but I like the rest of the the Packers receiving core, including their tight ends. And if, you know, what do you like better? Do you like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon over Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook? So you could see that's the bearish case. The bearish case is, you know, they're not much, much better than what they were, what he was with his team in Green Bay last year. And they were eight and nine in the weaker conference. I think they're going to be better. I'm going to take the bullish case on the Jets. And I'm going to say... I do think that there are question marks. You know, you look at receiver and they've got... Mm-hmm. They kept seven receivers. You know, Lazard and Wilson, obviously, Wilson won Rookie of the Year. Lazard is proven as a kind of a number two slash number three excellent blocker. Miko Hardman, you know, didn't really do it in in um, in Kansas City. Randall Cobb, obviously, historically is a good player, but we kind of know the reason why Cobb has been brought over there. And then really, you're throwing in Irvin Charles, Jason Brownlee, and Xavier Gibson, and Gibson and Brownlee are both rookies. Um, and Irvin Charles is the the kid from Indiana, PA, who they brought in last year, who I don't think had a catch last season. So, you know, the offensive line you talked about, I mean, Mackay Becton has obviously sort of turned a corner at least for a little while. But, you know, who's playing left tackle? Is Dwayne Brown healthy? Who's playing center? Is it Wes Schweitzer? Is it Joe Tipman? What's happening with Billy Turner? Is Elijah Vera Tucker going to have to play left tackle? The defensive line is absolutely rammed. I mean, you look at Michael Clements and Franklin Myers and Jermaine Johnson last year's first round pick and Carl Lawson and Will McDonald this year's first round pick and Solomon Thomas and Quinn and Williams, who's a stud now, Will how Woods, who we all like. But again, linebacker, you know, beyond CJ Mosey, you're kind of like, well, you know, there's just some Quincy Williams can play, but there's some guys. And then the corners are brilliant with Reed and, and Source Gardner, Chris. But beyond that, there's, you know, Jordan Whitehead's a decent safety. But, you know, there's some, you know, it's not, it's scheme as much as anything, certainly in the secondary. So, you know, I, I, you're throwing in an Aaron Rodgers into the mix. It's going to make anybody better. But I, I don't know. I still see them as third in the in the division. And to me, it's a, a battle between the Dolphins and the Bills. Well, you know, that's that's the thing is uh, how do we treat the Aaron Rodgers? Because it's it's there's so many layers to it because are we 
are we getting Aaron Rodgers, real Aaron Rodgers? Are we getting um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, toward what he was close to the end at Green Bay? Are we getting – what about the complete flip side? Are we getting a completely renewed – and that's what that's what I think a lot of people are running away with is he seems reinvigorated up there. And, um, and so are we getting a, a completely rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers who is going to, you know, and when he's – when he's on like that, then you know, forget it. He's he, he could be an MVP candidate. Um, so I think that that's that's the real question up there. I just worry about for them uh, injuries, uh, and I look at the offensive line, and you know, the Makai Becton is going to be starting at one tackle position, and and he's um, he's had uh, he's going to be starting at right tackle. Um, he's had some uh, some injury issues. Um, you know, there's the other the other tackle is Dwayne Brown, who is ancient. And uh, and and also uh, prone to injury. Um, you know, I think there are some issues there. They've already lost a wide receiver. Um, they they lost Corey Davis, uh, who retired yeah. on them. Uh, now they're going to have Alan Lazard. And you know, I'm not. I mean, sure, he's he can get along. He was part of kind of a losing effort with uh, Aaron Rodgers at quarterback in Green Bay. I'm not sure that he's you know part of a winning effort there. Um, or, or at least a needle mover. So I, I do get a little bit worried about injuries with them, but I think it's the bills that are going to have a, a come down this year. Um, and I think that, you know, losing, losing Leslie, um, Leslie uh, uh, Frazier is, is going to matter. Um, I think that it is going to matter some. Uh, and I think that uh, otherwise I do like the talent on their defense. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think that their offense is listen, I've been watching enough Josh Allen for a long time to know that, you know, he's not an automatic, you know, get yourself out of jail free card for whatever the hell is going on on the on the offense. I think that there's trouble in paradise, clearly, with Stefan Diggs. Um, I think that, the uh, you know, they're one of the receivers, you know, having Trent Sherfield, I, I don't know how much of a difference he's going to make. I look at their offensive line and, you know, I see trouble there. Um, I looked at their running backs and looked at their, their running game overall and, and, and was just left really wanting in the preseason. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's going to be an NFL, you know, a good NFL ru- rushing attack. And so you're not that far from getting into a lot of situations where Josh Allen loves to get himself in trouble, which is deciding that he's got to do it all. And then he's just started playing YOLO ball um, in the, in the backfield and, you know, kind of giving up on his uh, giving up on his progressions and looking for the big play and, and stuff like that. Um, I, I think there could be trouble for the bills this year. I, I I'm going to pick them third in the division. To be honest, uh, we haven't really talked about the Patriots that much. I think Simon, among us, you're probably the biggest fan of the Patriots. I do see them being fourth in the in the division. Yeah, um, I see them being fourth. I mean, the interesting thing about the Jets is, and I don't think it's beyond. You know, there is a sense that we would say this, wouldn't we? Although I, I doubt as many sure. Jets fans listening to us, but there is a sense, and certainly looking at the the you know the second half of the season is much easier for the Jets. I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility the Jets could be two and six. To start mm-hmm. the season, you know, that they open against the Bills, you know, which is a big game. They could e- easily lose that. They're on the road at the Cowboys week two. You know, that's a, you know, that's mm-hmm. a pick em game. They play at home against the Patriots. You, you'd probably tip them to win that. Then they play against the Chiefs. You'd probably pick them to lose that. So already they're one and three. They play the Broncos on the road. 
okay, let's give them that game. So that's what two and three. But then they they play the Eagles, the Giants, a game I'll be at in person, and the Chargers. You know, and you could, you know, let's the Eagles are going to win that game. The Giants is a pick'em game, and you know the Chargers. We've we've talked about how good the Chargers are. So potentially they could be two and six, heading into traveling out west to play the Raiders, coming back to Buffalo to play the Bills. And then playing the Dolphins, you know, they're, that's not a great start to the season for them. I mean, they finish up with Falcons, Texans, Dolphins, Commanders, Browns, Patriots. So it's, it gets easier in the second half. But, you know, a sticky wicket to start the season. There could be an awful lot of pressure on Robert Sala, you know, moving forwards. And we shall see. It's very interesting. It's not like the Dolphins don't have a difficult schedule. It's the fifth most difficult schedule in the NFL this year. What are we thinking in terms of a Miami Dolphins overall record? for this season. Alf, I'll start with you just to finish off this episode of Three Yards Per Carry. Well, I always keep predicting one win more than they actually get because last year I said 10 and 7, then they got 9 and 8. So if I say 12 and 5, will they go 11 and 6? I'm not going to play that game. I'm going to say 11 and 6 and and hope that they don't go 10 and 7 now. So I will say 11 and 6, and that will be good enough to win the AFC East as the Bills finish second. Chris? Yeah, I think that they're going to go twelve and five. I think that wow. um, this is their year. Uh, if 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 any year is going to be their year, this is their year. I, I felt like they were they were ready to be competitive last year and got really derailed with injuries. Otherwise, they would have been um, you know obvious injuries. Otherwise, they would have been a lot better than they were. Um, I think this is the year. I think there's twelve and five, and I think they finish first and finish first in the division. I think kind of ten and seven, eleven and six. But you know what I'm kind of buoyed by is. You know, you're getting Jalen Ramsey. Let's say you get Jalen Ramsey back for the start of December and he's, you know, he's back to full health. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, your last six games are at the Commanders, at home to the Titans, but then four really difficult games to finish the season. Home against the Jets, home against the Cowboys, on the road at Baltimore, home against Buffalo. You know, if you if we're healthy and you're getting Jalen Ramsey back to face Garrett Wilson, to face CeeDee Lamb, to face you know, Odell Beckham and that crew, and then to face Stephon Diggs along with the guys that we've got. I think if they can stay healthy, most notably at the quarterback position, you know, if Tua can finally stay healthy for an entire season, I I, I don't think either of your two predictions would be on the realms of possibility. Playoffs, season predictions in terms of where we could end up. I don't think the Super Bowl is beyond the realms of possibility either for this team, but realistic expectations for where this season could end up. Alf, you first. I think uh, last year I said that they could have that magical run and lose in the AFC championship game. Um, It's about time to put some expectations on this team. Uh, I'm making my predictions, assuming generally good health or the kind of health that actually propels you to a Super Bowl. Because let's face it, most of the teams that make it to the Super Bowl, number one, they're really very talented. But number two, they're generally healthy. Injured teams don't make Super Bowls. I'm going to go ahead and say that this is the year they reach, they reach the AFC Championship game. And there's just there's a firewall on that Super Bowl as long as Patrick Mahomes is alive and kicking. And I think it'll be epic, but I think it'll, it'll be an epic loss in Kansas City in the AFC Championship game against Patrick Mahomes. Chris? I think I'll go ahead and say it. Uh, I think the, the two most talented teams in the NFC are the 49ers and the Eagles um, and they're going to be battling it out for in the NFC championship but the two most talented top to bottom teams in the AFC are the Kansas City Chiefs and Miami Dolphins 
and I think that they are going to duke it out in the AFC Championship. I'm gonna. I, I actually. I actually believe that we might see this year the Dolphins go into the Super Bowl against, say, for example, the 49ers and have you know a Kyle Shanahan versus Mike McDaniel moment, and um, and where you know where you could see Kyle Shanahan's experience win out, but. Um, yeah, I think that this is this is the year. This is the all or nothing year. Wouldn't be surprised if by the trade deadline they push the chips all in with another trade that was like uh, the Bradley Chubb trade. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, this is this is the year. Well, we shall be back on Thursday night to preview the first game of the season. But but there you are. This is the year, says says Chris, and Alf is kind of looking at a spectacularly fantastic run to the AFC Championship game. So um, if that hasn't got your juices flowing, then God knows what will. We should be back on Thursday night um, to preview the game against the uh, the the Chargers on the road in Los Angeles in SoFi Stadium. We will be minutes away from the start of the NFL season because the Chiefs and Lions will be playing not long after we, we wrap up recording. Um, so until that point in 48 hours, uh, enjoy what has been an eventful hour going through the roster and predicting where the Dolphins will end up as I knock my glass over. Um, and we shall see you on Thursday. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.